Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to Conversations with the Voice of Reason. I'm your host, Benjamin Boyce, and today's conversants are a couple, Zach and Cynthia, Zach Elliott and Cynthia Brahenny, and they are working together on a project called the Paradox Institute, which is built on Zach's research into sex and gender, and they are creating very condensed, sightly, and well-researched pamphlets around gender care, gender affirming care, whatever that means, but actually the consequences of cross-sex hormones, of child transition, and the realities beyond the gender affirmative model. They are a wonderful pair of individuals. I've interviewed them individually about a year ago, and Cynthia actually really blew away my mind with the rawness and the personalness of her story, and Zach blew away my mind with the thoroughness of his research and his articulation and his logic and his reason and so on and so forth. And together, you get the best of both worlds, a very well-researched and very personal view on sex and gender. And also, they're having a baby, so we get into the female reproductive cycle and how that has affected, how being pregnant has affected Cynthia's relationship with her dysphoria and with her body. Uh, Very wonderful episode, so I'll get out of the way so you can immerse yourself in Zach and Cynthia. How's your uh, Saturday going? Pretty good. We've been responding to messages from the release of our pamphlet, so that's going really well, but pretty chill otherwise. Uh, What do you mean responding? What does that entail? (laughs) Really just responding to DMs, or even messages on on Twitter uh, in public, like just telling them about the pamphlet. Some people have wanted to interview us already on the pamphlet or talk Mm -hmm. to us about it or showcase it, so... We've just been kind of organizing that (laughs) and getting that set up. So it's really exciting. And um, what's the pamphlet a part of? Like, what's the context of it? Mm -hmm. So um, I came up with an idea that we should be getting all of the information from, like, gender ideology and peer-reviewed sources and everything into one place and then compiling it so that it's digestible for the average person um, to kind of get the gist, basically. And then we're making those into themed like pamphlets and info packets to send out to PTA groups, school boards, um, sports leagues, and politicians. And then for the like school boards and politicians were going to do more expansive like info packets. So they have everything like right there. So they don't have to go to like a secondary place, like the website, they just have like the info, but the, the pamphlets do have a QR code on them so that the PTA and parents and things like that can scan it and go get a more expansive rundown on things and check out the sources for themselves. All, everything is cited too. So, there's no like baseless claims or anything. And um, 
And just to be clear, this is about gender ideology and you guys are, you have compiled peer reviewed sources <laughs> on yeah. gender yeah. ideology. So what does that well, mean? I mean, this is grievance studies stuff, right? I mean, it well, could be well, a bunch of mock essays that James Lindsay had put together. Right, <laughs> shoved through. Well, it's um, like medical papers and things like that on hormones and puberty blockers and developmental studies and studies on gender dysphoria and things like that. Um, yeah. So studies that show, for example, that, that 61 to 98% of, uh, trans identifying adolescents like outgrow their gender dysphoria. So we're presenting all these sources on like the, on how there's many myths related to gender affirming care, but it's not the sole, um, treatment path or not the most, not even the most beneficial treatment right. path by far that there's other alternatives or other things going on with gender dysphoria mm -hmm. that need to be explained and pointed out before, before someone is put on that path of yeah. being on a cross sex hormones and puberty blockers. So, um, yeah. also we're going to have ones that talk about like the children's hospitals that are doing these procedures on minors, because that's another myth out there is that, Oh, no one's doing this to minors. And it's just social transition. No one's medicalizing anybody. And so we're going to do one on that. We also have one planned on um, the facts about DSDs to prevent people from spreading misinformation about DSDs um, and stuff like that. So. Okay. So there's so much here. Um, yeah. <laughs> trying to, trying to wrap my mind around it. So by peer reviewed research, you're not talking about the queer theory side of this. Right. You're talking about the empirical research mm -hmm. into gender care, broadly construed. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And just, I keep on, I, I have to point this out. People, there is this, you, you call it a myth, this meme or this myth that nobody's doing this to children, but mm -hmm. the, poster child of gender affirming care yeah. uh, jazz jennings was yeah. medically transitioned as a minor so it doesn't make sense that yeah. people would claim that this is not happening if it's happening on tlc of all places right yeah which doesn't so stand really for tender strange. learning loving care um, <laughs> right. I would at this point. doesn't uh... It shouldn't stand for the learning channel either but yeah. i mean i guess we're learning something but... yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah um yeah, the, it's it's crazy. My mom has always been like a huge fan of I Am Jazz. And before I ever even got into this or anything, and I had my own ideas of like child transition was okay and things like that, my mom was like a jazz super fan, like watched all the episodes and talked to me about it all the time. And she often, it was weird. I talked to you about this before, how she she believes that it was right for jazz, but not that it was right for me. Even though she always told me that you were meant to be a boy, like you were supposed to be a boy. There's no way like you could have been a girl and that's why you're the way that you are. And so, yeah, it's really interesting hmm. now talking to her about this stuff after learning everything that I've learned. And I showed her the pamphlet and she said to me last night, like, it's weird because I thought it was one way and now I'm learning that it's not what I thought it was. Like she didn't realize there were negative side effects to 
these medications and things like that. Like, yeah. even though she's she's watched um, the show, so she yeah. knows, like, but she just wasn't putting it together. She was under the impression that, like, hmm. somehow it, it wasn't from the meds. It was because of other issues or something. And I was like, no. Hmm. Well, I mean, even if it's not from the meds, the fact that this person is still incredibly depressed says yeah. that there's an underlying issue that this gender surgery is not serving. Right. Maybe even conflating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But see, she then says, oh, it's because people aren't accepting jazz and people are mean <laughs> and nobody wants to date jazz. And that's the problem is, and I'm like, that doesn't really jive though. <laughs> like, yeah. And then once we got that data at our fingertips with like the effects of cross-sex hormones and puberty blockers on, on adolescents and all those issues that happen to their body and their brain, uh, then she, she really started to change her mind. Yeah. She really started to see like, oh, wow, this is actually not as beneficial as people claim it is. Not even close. It's very hard to change my mother's mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's a good litmus test for, for your project. Yeah, I think so, yeah. <laughs> I do want to uh, get into the nitty gritty of the body and brain effects of uh, adolescent uh Mm -hmm. gender affirming care, which is such a euphemism. Um, it does. Mm -hmm. I, uh, so there's the philosophy, but the psychology, I just want to pause on that. And in, in all due respect, um, ask what you think about your mom as representative of a certain demographic, um, the, the moms, the pro trans moms, mm -hmm. like what is it about the psychology of watching a boy turn into a girl or a girl turn into a boy that is, it, it seems like a, a part of this, I want to say like a liberal spirit of, of affirmation mm -hmm. of care and, and of somehow of, of freeing somebody from, from reality, from adulthood, from sexual maturity, from the loss of sexual yeah. innocence, trapping them in childhood. There's all these different factors going on. And I want to stray away from the munchy mom syndrome, which I think is kind of collapses some of the mm -hmm. deeper psychology going on in the females who are promoting this and championing this. If you guys have any insight mm -hmm. into so, that. So when it comes to my mom and other people in my family who are of the same mindset as her, like my aunt, my uncle's wife is like that. Um, it's, it's this, they aren't thinking about, like they aren't even aware really of the, the lack of like maturity and the, the body and things like that. They think it's going to happen for them eventually. Like she thinks, Oh, that's just right now. But up ahead when jazz finds the right person, then it'll all happen and they'll be happy and they'll be able to live fully and things like that. So she's, it's, they're not really thinking about that. They're just thinking about, we're trying to keep this boy who was, you know, born in the wrong body. That's what it is. Born in the wrong body, which is what she would say to me, basically, like you were meant to be a boy. Um, and we're helping this person become who they were like meant to be and they're finally happy and living authentically and similar in her mind to like being gay. Like that's what she thinks it is. And so it's, it's this, um, this compassion kind of gone rogue, like <laughs> compassion without critical thinking and compassion without like putting on any brakes and thinking about like, 
you know, compassion also requires discipline and it requires like saying no and thinking about the person's health care and well-being um, in ways that might be disappointing. Mm-hmm. And my mom is not that type of person. <laughs> she is always like, no, you should just do what you want and, you know, indulge because that's what's going to make you happy in the moment. And so that was always really difficult with her because as a kid, I had to parent her because of that way of thinking. Like hmm. she, she once wanted to take me on a road trip to meet all of her friends that she had made in a chat room <laughs> when I was six. And I was like, this is not a good idea. We oh, shouldn't no. do that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's just her kind of way of thinking is like not bad things and consequences don't play into it. She's right. Just to like prioritize what she's feeling. Yeah. Just the, in the moment the and then just going with that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where like also compassion can go wrong if you don't like combine truth with it. Because if you're just focusing yeah. on a person's feelings and just affirming whatever thing they're, whatever they're feeling, you're not actually going to help them all the time. Like it matters what they're actually feeling. Yeah. What is true about what they're feeling? What is not true about what they're feeling? Yeah. You have to analyze that critically mm-hmm. to have actual compassion. For it's, people. it's really shallow ultimately. Is she uh, your mom Gen X or, or Boomer? Um, I think there is a, a very particular cultural and time-bound historical frame. I think Gen X. Yeah, she's on the border, probably. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, okay. But she had very strict parents, so her whole thing is, you know, don't be a stick in the mud, don't hold people back, let people like do what they want, and very much that kind of person like let's yeah let's eat cake for breakfast sure (laughs) okay yeah just like bill cosby (laughs) (laughs) so and so there is that um you know there's this political concept of pendulum swinging back and forth but there's a generational um component to it too of uh growing up in a strict parent and then wanting to flee from the strictness and then Mm -hmm. you end up in this liberal utopia and then the kids that are born in that liberal utopia are grappling for discipline and for order and then they start to claw their way Mm -hmm. back to more strictness and then maybe it goes kind of back and forth and plus the media for the since the 60s at least has really promoted one side of this and really denigrated the church or any sort of you know like a Mm -hmm. footloose you know, like yeah. the big bad is discipline. The big bad is restriction. Um, mm-hmm. The big good is to express your truth, express your authenticity, and right. which is one thing. But when it trickles into this medicalization of children, it's yeah. like, whoa, 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 what's going yeah. on? Here? And then you're not ultimately actually like celebrating what is authentic because hmm. when it's called gender affirming care, it is a euphemism, like you said, because it's it's not actually affirming their quote unquote gender, their sex. It's affirming actually the opposite sex and stereotypes. Yeah. It's a, like, exactly. It's, yeah. It's not actually affirming who they are. It's just kind of wild to think about it because my mom would on the one hand say you were meant to be a boy. That's why you like masculine things. That's why we have to take you to the batting cages and this, and that. Um, but then at the same time, she also refused to have me believe that I was, you know, I had to be a boy to, to express myself that way. So it was really, 
strange for me because I understood that, like that I didn't have to be a boy to like those things, but it obviously wasn't helping with the gender dysphoria and things like that for my mom to say that stuff. So, and then my grandmother on the other side saying that, well, I couldn't do like tomboy things because I had to wear a dress and makeup and <laughs> all that stuff. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Which makes you think that to like dress that way or to dress yeah. like that in a more masculine way, that means that you're actually yeah. a boy or, or you can't be a girl. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's really limiting. Which my mom like was that. actually really upset that I'm having a girl. <laughs> Yeah. Um, she, and for the audience, you two are a couple, and yeah. you're you're performing your sex roles by producing a yeah. child. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, proving biological facts right now as well. Just take a pair of it. And it's going to be a girl, just one. You're not doing yeah, twins for one. your first go round, okay? Uh, no, just the yes. one girl. <laughs> well, you know what, um, Zach, you're going to have to go through this whole thing again, and until you guys get a boy, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Maybe by the fifth, we'll have. Yeah. A boy. Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> We're thinking of two or three, though. Yeah, so. <laughs> but we'll see. You know, she was really upset. She was like, "Are you sure they need to check again?" They need to check again because it sucks having a girl. You, yeah, Ouch. Like, yeah. She was like, "I really wanted you to have a boy because they're just so much fun." And I'm like, "You have one boy." Like, she's like, "The girls are so hard to clean." Yeah. And I'm like, again, I'm like, "Wow, hmm. you, I, I didn't really." It was talking to you actually made me analyze a lot more of my mom's behavior. Hmm. And whenever I talk to her about this or I think about my childhood, I think a lot more about her own like internalized misogyny. I think I hate using that phrase, but I, I genuinely think that's what it is. Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's really come out with this. <laughs> In a, in a sense, it could be the case that watching a boy turn into a girl, I don't know. There's just so, there is like misogyny, like this, this, uh, it could be the case that for some women who are championing this, there's this upsettingness with not being a boy and then watching a boy give up his manhood to become a woman and yeah. transform into a woman almost affirms their femininity in a way from saying, this is something I can become something that, that is right. good to be, to become rather than just be thrust upon, uh, thrust into it by nature. It's interesting that you should say that because I know for me and a lot of other women, um, not just ones with gender dysphoria, but I heard this all the time. And I even said this, Oh, a trans woman could have my womb. Like, that's fine. Like I would be happy to give up my uterus and, and that kind of thing. And hmm. now like I, that, that the thought is horrific to me. <laughs> and like, I've heard that from detransitioners as well, who were of a similar mindset who were like, if it had gone to a, a male like that would have been really horrific for me down the line after accepting womanhood and then being like now that's given to someone else and and hmm. kind of being perverted in that way i guess yeah and making them think that they can actually like take on those traits themselves yeah. like, like even those organs yeah. and actually 
like it, it it takes away from what it is to actually be female i think yeah with that mentality it, it's odd it, it is like a really complex like bunch of emotions around that because mm. yeah i think a lot of women do reject <laughs> themselves like reject it um because of like maybe they have really difficult periods or because of feeling sexualized and things there's also the idea that like that that women are basically just a type of man in a way (laughs) like you see that aristotelian yeah yeah like you see that and like that women are derived from men and that uh that any organs that females have are just the byproduct of of uh of men or useless or or useless yeah like said that too that my uterus was useless when i was younger you you said that yeah when i was younger because i was like i don't want it there's no point for me having it it just gives me like you know the endometriosis why would i want this i wish i could just get rid of it like it was a source of a lot of like pain and depression and things like that for me so for me it was not just useless but harmful for me to have it in my mind. Now I know that not to be the case, especially after researching the menstrual cycle as much as we have. Yeah, it's incredible. We can talk about that at some point, but the menstrual yeah. cycle, like the detail of that is just unbelievable. I didn't know there was so much incredible like detail yeah. going on in the menstrual cycle that and all these different mechanisms at play. Yeah. It's incredible. Like no no male can ever experience that <laughs> at all. I <laughs> think close. Oh, man. Yeah. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to do's, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. So, uh, in... In your research into this, and you both have different pathways into this, so let's just sketch that out. But I, mm-hmm. I want to um, ask Cynthia: Has has the research into this gender stuff helped with your dysphoria, or had you already kind of wrestled with the dysphoria part before that? Because we we told your whole story, mm-hmm. and I will link that in the description. It's one of the best uh, interviews that I have. Just it's so personal and raw. Um, but going through it mentally. And thinking through this mentally is one thing. And how has that helped you? And then actually becoming a woman in the sense of a reproductive human being, like how has that changed your relationship to your gender, your sex? <laughs> so getting into the whole thing originally, like getting into this debate originally um, was a trip because it did trigger like a lot of that, like, it's seeing all the appropriation of female reproductive stuff, like trans women get periods and like they're actually female and all of that stuff, like 
really set me off because it was like, no, like if I didn't have the reality of being female, I would not have gender dysphoria. What are you talking about? And it was really upsetting to see that portrayed that way. And, um, just, it really triggered like a whole spiral thing, like a lot of that self-hatred and self-loathing and loathing of my biological functions and everything and all the trauma and everything that I've been through. Um, But then like doing the research into it really helped me understand everything. So it helped bring me back out of that. So even though I had grappled with it and I had dealt with it, having that all come at me from a different angle and then having to process that and go through it and learn about it um, helped. And then researching this stuff has helped a lot because it's helped me appreciate that biological reality. Um, And it's helped keep me really grounded because again, like I grew up believing this was useless and harmful and I didn't need it. And I was cursed basically to be female. So learning that it's actually good for me and all the benefits and, and stuff like that, um, of being able to menstruate and (laughs) have a a relatively healthy body and things like that was, was great. And then like finding out all the myths behind birth control and stuff and its effects on, on the menstrual cycle and on the female body, like, that was crazy. Had you taken birth control for granted? Like not really thought about it? Just yeah. thought it was just this pill that you take that yeah, solves I did. this problem. Yeah. Okay. Because that's how it's sold to you. I mean, they will, they prescribe my sister birth control just to control her acne. Like it, it's really just thrown at you as like this kind of like, nah, it's not a big deal. Yeah. Zach, do you have any input into that? Like, <laughs> like that flippancy of this medical intervention for something like acne? Like, is that? Yeah, I noticed that with even in my own uh, situations where uh, you're just handed Viagra in... whenever you're uh, feeling <laughs> a little down. Yeah, you got some acne. Here's some Viagra. <laughs> I know, like when I was uh, in college, I was experiencing some really bad anxiety, and I was going to the doctor to talk about it, and they wanted to prescribe me SSRIs and anti-anxiety medication immediately without even knowing really much about me. Like this is a doctor who I never saw before and they just wanted to prescribe me that medication and going to like research more about it. There was a doctor who prescribed me two different types of anxiety medication that combined together had a high risk of serotonin syndrome, which can be fatal. It can cause seizures. It can put you in a coma. Like, and there was documented evidence of that happening when you combine those two drugs together. And she didn't even tell me anything about that. Who knows if she even knew, probably didn't even know, honestly, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, so I, I didn't take those, like those huh. two together. So I was, ironically, yeah. your anxiety saved you from the intervention. Yeah, into your exactly. Anxiety. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, there is that flippancy. And, yeah. um, but, but the, the, the complexity, pills, yeah, the complexity of the female organism and, mm-hmm. and the hormone, I guess the endocrine system, uh, mm-hmm. largely speaking, it, um, it doesn't seem like doctors really understand it, uh, or, or respect it maybe is the word. Yeah. 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 Cause the menstrual cycle, they'll say like, you don't need 
you don't need to have a menstrual. You don't there's, need to have a period. You don't need to have I one. And that's not true. The ad because there's an infamous ad that I really want to go. Okay. But it goes, did you know that there is no medical need to have a monthly period? And I was like, mm, that's, <laughs> but see, at the time when I saw the ad, I was like, oh, hey, that's cool. I totally understand that. And yeah, let's not is have there? periods. There is. Yes. <laughs> so like having a period is a, an example. It's a, basically a physical manifestation that your endocrine system is healthy as a female. And without that there, that means that there's some type of endocrine disruption going on if you're of reproductive age and you're not having a period. And there's also benefits with having a period because of that hormonal cycle every month. What benefits with uh, skin, with like water retention in the skin. So many women who will go, um, will be taking birth control will notice that their skin is really dry. Yeah, eczema and psoriasis are now being found to be like exploding in women who take birth control. Loss of hair as well. Mm -hmm. If you are on birth control, loss of hair is common. Cavities. Cavities. Dentists don't recommend that you take birth control apparently. <laughs> so so there's something about the endocrine system that's strengthening and cleaning your teeth. Yes. Too. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So there's so, all these systems, all yeah. these systems throughout the entire body mm -hmm. that rely on the menstrual cycle to maintain themselves. Yes. Is, that, is that fair to say? Yes, because there's this cyclical increase of estrogen that goes down, go, goes up and down. There's also a cyclical increase in progesterone, which goes up and down. But those estrogen and progesterone go up and down at different times in the cycle. And estrogen and progesterone have two different roles. So estrogen is kind of this like generative hormone. It helps actually generate the endometrial tissue in the uterus to support the potential growing embryo later on. Yeah. It also helps generate, you know, your skin cells and things like that and bone growth mm -hmm. and, and hair growth, right? Well, then progesterone is kind of like the glue. So it helps kind of hold that, hold that regeneration together. And that's why the endometrial tissue um, actually bleeds and sloughs away off the uterus is because during that time, the progesterone plummets. So that tissue can't be held together, cannot be glued together anymore by progesterone so it just bleeds through the vagina and that's what you experience as right. menstruation. So it's those two hormones that are very important. Also, we found out that um, women who take birth control are at risk of compromising their bone health and have a higher risk of developing osteoporosis and things like that. So, so for example, how that works is estrogen is really important for maintaining healthy bones. And uh, if you are on birth control, as a reproductive age female, and you're on birth control for like 10 plus years or even most of your reproductive age, mm -hmm. when you hit menopause, you're gonna be at a risk for osteoporosis because that estrogen that you should have been experiencing naturally throughout your reproductive cycle, throughout your reproductive age, is critical for your post-menopausal bone health. Huh. Yeah. And this is why like female athletes are so impressive because they have to maintain a healthy menstrual cycle during their competitive years and their training and everything like that. Their diet is really important because if you don't have a high enough fat content, then you are at risk of not having yeah. a healthy menstrual cycle. So it's, it's really interesting how delicate this balance is yeah. and how integral it is to female health. 
And doctors just like, like, that's fine. Just, you don't need to have one. Also found out that on lower doses of birth control, you can still have normal cycles and still get pregnant. So but it's yeah. like, at that point, what, why are you giving it to somebody if it's not really doing what it's supposed to do? So yeah, but I, when I first started it, I got six cavities that just showed up within the first year. Wow. Yeah. And okay. I, I was so embarrassed. I was like, Oh my gosh. Like I brushed my teeth. Like I've never had a cavity before in my life. Like I had no idea it was the birth control until we started researching it. And then I was like, Holy crap. That was, that was from the birth control and nobody told me. So it's not even being prescribed under an informed consent model. Like it, it's crazy. Like yeah. how much yeah. is going on that they don't tell you. And this is probably a little out of uh, the realm of what we can talk about um, empirically, but there's got to be psychological benefits to uh, the menstrual cycle. Um, and just the, the, the state of going through different, ways of plugging into the world, different social uh, feelings, you know, dealing with different anxieties. Because I know that there is a um, kind of an expression of stress that happens um, throughout the the menstrual cycle through uh, just, okay, I can can get a little empirical. The detransitioners that I've spoken to, the female to male to females, uh, the females that go on testosterone, they, a lot of them express the inability to cry, the inability to process emotion, the desire to cry, but the inability to do that. And and this inability to release all these emotions, to resolve the stress through the act of crying, that that the only option they're given is anger when they're on testosterone. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that really limits. And then I've also spoken with uh, detransitioner males, which would be male to female to males, who Mm -hmm. experience um, and actually enjoy, to a certain extent, the the breadth of emotion that's available to them on uh, on estrogen it seems like they're able to see more color whereas without that estrogen yeah. they feel really blocked off from their emotions so there's got to be like a psychological component um to yeah. shutting off that that ebb and flow that that's overlooked yeah, yeah. I, I, know a, I know there's a uh, i know with estrogen that how it interacts with the brain that ser- that uh, estrogen is an actual like upregulator of serotonin so uh, that has some modulating effect on on serotonin and, and mood for sure. Mm-hmm. That that might be part of the explanation as to why they're experiencing those things. What does serotonin generally do in the brain? Or generally, it like stabilizes mood. Stabilizes mood. Um, also, can give you a sense of like calmness and and even happiness. Um, but generally, it'd be considered a mood stabilizer. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that that also maybe helps with being in touch with your emotions when you do have a stabilized mood that you can probably feel things easier or express it easier that way i'm sure so or observe it in the very least or observe it yeah okay so there's the menstrual cycle and then there's <laughs> pregnancy <laughs> how's that going for you guys how's that have you studied that system yet you're like okay well a little no. but not yeah. not a lot I mean, we do know how, we obviously know how sex works. You know, we, well, yeah, we okay, that, yeah, you got the job done. Yeah, Good it. job, yeah. good job, guys. It was pretty funny because I thought I was, like, psychologically, like, ready for it. And then, like, when it, we found out, I was like, yay. But then also the gender dysphoria was like, oh, no. <laughs> really? So, huh. 
Yeah. So that kicked in and I was trying really hard just internally to not, not acknowledge it, just kind of ignore it, but it was just getting worse and worse. And I felt this like, no, this is unnatural. Like this can't be going on in your body. Like it's, it's gross and unnatural. It needs to stop. And it was like, no, it's fine and normal. This is okay. And then it was like, no, it's not okay. It's not fine. It's not normal. This is disgusting and alien and not for you. And just (laughs) like such bad anxiety building up about it. And then here he is trying to research pregnancy and reading it to me out loud. And I almost vomited. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, okay, I need to talk about this because it is really horrible. And I was telling him like, there is such a fear and disgust that I am having right now that I might need to terminate because I don't know psychologically Mm. that I can do this. I thought I was ready, but psychologically, I don't, I don't know. And I feel really guilty about that now because like, obviously like, you know, you're not a well person when you have gender dysphoria. Like there's that aspect of you that's not well. Yeah. And, um, I do feel a lot of guilt about that because I, I, it's not the baby's fault and it's not his fault. Um, and it's so not your fault either. I mean, I don't think so. You're going to make me cry right now and do this. Well, you're going to make me cry, but before <laughs> either of us cry, can we, and let's, let's, let's go ahead and dive in the, cause you made me cry last time. So like, we'll just do this. Um, like that, that disgust, that fear, that alienness, like, I can't, I can't imagine it. Like what's, it's right. like, is it, is it cause your body's taking over you or this other thing is, is yeah. taking over you? It, it's that, um, that rejection of that part of my body, that reality as being my reality as being real, as being natural and always feeling like it was a disgusting, like alien organ on my body, like just all of that reproductive area being some Hmm. almost like Lovecraftian (laughs) creature that's like attached to me. Um, And so just thinking about it, like he's reading to me about like the development of fetus and cell division and all this stuff. And just the visualization of it was just so I, I couldn't like process it. It was just like, Oh my God, it's like, I can't control it. This is not normal. Like, this is awful. It's taking over. It's like, it's in control. I'm not in control kind of a thing. So that's where the obsessive compulsive aspect comes in. So I can't control it. There's, I can't slow it down. I can't pause. I can't do anything unless I were to terminate. And that was not okay to me either. <laughs> so like, yeah. Um, yeah, it was just a lot of, of things going on. And I, I also had to grapple with pregnancy was being highly recommended to me as a means of helping with my endometriosis because it was starting to spread to my bladder. Yeah. And basically it was either like get pregnant now, or we're going to need to do surgery on your bladder and like potentially you could face infertility if it spreads to like your ovaries or something like that. And we don't know how fast it would spread. There's no way to predict that. So, 
Um, those are your options. <laughs> or okay, going back so on birth control. Let's have so. a science moment. Um, how does pregnancy affect endometriosis? So endometriosis, from my understanding, is the lining of the uterus spreads through the abdominal cavity. It gets up through uh, this weird crack in the in the mm -hmm. thing. How does pregnancy reset that system or, or change that They're process? Not quite sure from what I've read. Basically, they just know that I think it's something like over eighty percent of cases of endometriosis seem to be cured, I guess, for lack of a better term, by the endometriosis. For at least the first two years of your baby's life, they don't mm -hmm. see it come back. So in cases where it does, um, it's not until two years after. There's, there's evidence that endometriosis is basically a type of autoimmune disease, and that's also linked to inflammation. And so certain stressors or certain inflammatory responses can really make endometriosis worse or even even be a predisposition towards having endometriosis. So if you have a history in your family of like autoimmune disease, uh, as a female, you potentially might have a higher risk of endometriosis. And so somehow pregnancy maybe interacts with that. Maybe it helps the inflammatory response. Uh, maybe it helps reset some of the, the hormonal cycles and to a better equilibrium. Um, because we do know that that you know the growth of endometrium the growth of endometrium is influenced by estrogen and um so that is a link to that and so maybe pregnancy helps kind of you know create an equilibrium again too yeah. so there's different theories like that out there for why or it just says uterus this is what you're supposed to be doing not yeah. this thing yeah exactly. okay i get it yeah. i get it I get, okay, yeah. okay. Exactly. <laughs> pretty much yeah um but i mean it's crazy now because I actually enjoy the pregnancy. I don't, I, I thought I'd be like terrified of the childbirth aspect, but I'm actually not now. Like, so how far, how far along are you? I'm about seven months now. Okay. <laughs> so, and yeah. at a 10 or at a nine? Cause there's nine. two different calculations. Okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. June, yeah, late yeah. June will be the delivery well, date. If you can wait till July 7th, uh, I'll share my birthday. Nice. <laughs> we'll see. There's, there's, um, there, there is a, a value to uh, the Christian religion in what you're speaking about about um, losing control of your body, and the just the just the image of of Mary of the Madonna, and the expression of the utter humility and surrender to the higher power. Um, and finding strength and 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 in the loss of control, because um, I, I can't imagine the loss of control that you're expressing and and that women uh, just either embrace or have to flee from um, because it's total. Like having a kid yeah. is total. So I I totally jive with with all your feelings. I'm wondering how did you find the equilibrium going from saying saying and thinking this is natural to saying this is good, this is beautiful, this is true. Like like really uh, descending into the into the depths of yourself and, and embracing this. <laughs> It really helps that he was so understanding and supportive and hmm. and just um, there for me when I was, like, really struggling. Uh, so just feeling like there was such a big part of it, like, 
uh, like a fear of like death or like a loss or something of myself. And like in, in that I would fail, like hmm. not just myself, but fail the baby because I couldn't accept things. And just knowing that he would be there and support her, support me and, and be understanding was a really <laughs> great, like, um, starting point for that, because it made me feel like if, if for some reason I did fail or I couldn't do it, then it would be okay. Yeah. I told her what happened, what, what, like if, if for some reason that she couldn't take care of the baby or anything happened to her, like I would completely take care of the baby. I would be there for that, that person a hundred percent and take care of this person. And I would never, ever abandon them. And that gave her a lot of peace yeah. too. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. So from there, um, because of that, like, love and acceptance shown to me, then I could bring in love and acceptance for myself. Yeah. And that's why it's been really hard for me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was good. <laughs> um, and then, uh, my brother just started having me go to church with him because he'd never been to a church. <laughs> He's 18. And so he was like, I want to go to church. And I was like, oh, okay. And so we started going and it just so happened to be around Christmas. And of course they're talking about the birth of Jesus and things like that. And so it's like kind of perfect timing. <laughs> and so that was another um, source of, of peace and, acceptance and things like that everybody there is really sweet so <laughs> yeah yeah they love they love baking there they're, <laughs> they're moravian yeah. moravians are big bakers moravian yeah it's the same type of um denomination from germany actually and oh. yeah actually the first and they immigrated person. here to the united states around the 1700s yeah. founded a, a church founded a moravian church on the east coast and they're like obsessed with baking um, yeah, they're really sweet. <laughs> is this like a Lutheran offshoot then? I guess. Uh, well, no, mm -mm. it's so. I guess from what we read, they they sound like they were the first Protestant church. That yeah, before, which was, yeah, before Lutheran. Even like, before like, Luther came. So. Luther was an upstart. We we were yeah. I think we were, they were, they were, they were Papists before that. Like that. But yeah. <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> we're the oh, real okay. church true process. <laughs> they, they're very like they're very small, but they do a lot of missionary work. Um, and and <laughs> we also like that they're really open minded. So they want like unity with all the different Christian denominations. They just want to agree on the basics, like the fundamentals. Yeah. Yeah. And they are very open to uh, scriptural interpretation and yeah. and looking back. They're kind like, of like hippie-ish. Yeah, you know? yeah, they are really. <laughs> Yeah, and huh. even like unifying it with science, like they don't they don't have any animosity towards science, or they view that they can be yeah. kind of two things that are not necessarily completely opposed 
to each other. Yeah. So, that's cool. so there's a lot of dialogue and overbaked goods. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of them, uh, one guy like reached out to us and he was like, Hey, do you want to come to our, uh, special like birthday party for, um, Esther? She's turning a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> so I would have gone, but we had like something else to do that day. And I was like, dang it. Because I played bar chicks, they make like really good muffins and things like that. <laughs> um, like part of their Christmas celebration is to have like coffee and a and a muffin, like a roll or yeah, something. Roll. Yeah. Do they walk so around they, in a figure eight or something? Like, what do they do with they the just, holding there? They hand everybody yeah, their jackets full of like red rolls and coffee. Yeah. They just hand it to everybody in the church. <laughs> but I remember there's like a little, um, a little historical site here, and one of the little descriptions is a quote from one of the Moravian travelers, and he was lamenting so much because before they had established their oven, they only had unleavened journey cakes to eat. <laughs> they had really been struggling. <laughs> so, so now, as an insult, I've been calling people unleavened journey cakes. <laughs> wow. It's, yeah, so it's just it's like a quirky... No, I don't, you know, you you don't, there's just something, um, very, uh, you know, I, I talk about the downfall of Western civilization and, and with all these different people, I, I'm like, well, what's the anecdote? And a lot of people bring up gratitude, right? Just this general mm -hmm. gratitude for all the good things we have. But that expression of just the beloved oven and finally finding that, like, that just reminds me of, like, how human yeah. and how particular we are with yeah. what yeah. we really love in, in life. Yeah. It's just hilarious because, you know, they're all living in this big cabin all together, like, all these people, like, right on top of each other. And as long as they had their oven, they were just so happy because now they could really bake and have leavened goods. Wow. The North Carolina um, state cookie, they petitioned for it to be the Moravian cookie. <laughs> I guess there's quite a Moravian community here, okay. which I didn't know. I like we've driven around this area forever and they have like the Moravian star on so many houses. And I was like, what is that? Like everybody's it's just like really... multi-pointed star. Like there's like so many, many points on it. I don't even know how okay. many. Like <laughs> it looks like a maybe twenty points or something. Yeah, really long, yeah. crazy points going. Like it, it looks like a like a ball with giant spikes on it. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. But, I go look. That yeah, up. yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. People will have, like she said, like these Moravian stars outside their porches hanging. Yeah, and it's and a light. Lit up and I'm like, wow, everybody really likes that light around here. And I guess. When you first got here, you're like, am I? Am I going? Is this a cult? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and then I found out, no, it's just like this area is really, um, there's a lot of Moravians here. And mm. there's a little Moravian bakery and stuff like that. And yeah, it's it's cute. <laughs> yeah. They also really like nature. so And they're really like respectful of nature. So you'll notice that in this area of North Carolina, like they really preserve a lot of the natural habitats mm -hmm. and a lot of the forests. And so they really uh, value being in line with nature, which kind of yeah. goes towards what 
what we're talking about here. Yes. That's yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's, that's a thread then, that, that continuity um, from the individual to, to nature mm -hmm. and all of the interceding steps, the me, mm -hmm. my loved ones, my family, my community, and then my environment, my township, my environment mm -hmm. and, and, mm -hmm. and the, I'm wondering Cynthia, if that, if that is a part of anchoring yourself, like being like a what, Matryoshka doll kind of thing. Like <laughs> yeah. you, there's someone inside of you, but you're also inside of all these mm. other. Yeah, that's really beautiful. I think that's so. True. I think, yeah, just finding community and finding support. And um, yeah, like these people don't know about my gender dysphoria or anything like that. They just see me and see like, I assume they think I'm in high school. They don't know my age, but like, you guys do both look very, very. very one, one lady, one lady came up to her and was like, <laughs> "Just so you know, all babies are welcome here." So I think she thinks I'm just some really young unwed mother. <laughs> because my siblings go with me. My sister's 25. Her no, she's 24. She's turning 25 this year. Um, so she's the same age as him. And then my brother just turned 18. So I went in there with a bunch of young people, yeah. college age people. So she probably thinks I'm around the same. You're the <laughs> oh, gosh. It's so Zach, what are you learning about being a man? then and and that's a big yeah. question <laughs> i know it is a big yeah. question maybe maybe I, it, the baby's not here yet so you have a lot more mm -hmm. you're not yet a father but mm -hmm. so you know what a, a male is mm -hmm. but what are you learning about being a man there's i mean ever since i've ever since i moved here cynthia there's been a lot of things that i've had to just get out of my comfort zone with and take up responsibility for um, and even sorting out basic things that I'd never sorted out by myself before, like just like a living situation and all the finances and, and all this. So there's, mm -hmm. I guess this part of being an adult just generally as well, but, um, also just, uh, being like an emotional support for Cynthia, being like strong for Cynthia and, and listening to her and, and, uh, helping her out any way I can. Um, well, and you've had to be a role model for my brother. Yeah, that's like, true. Like, like it was kind of crazy. He he got here, and my brother, you know, was getting to know him and stuff. And my brother's not used to having like a male in his life that's like a a role model figure. Because um, my family always told him that, oh, you can't do this because that's a feminine, or you can't, you know, walk different or hold your hands differently when you talk because that's a feminine or. Hmm. Yeah. So, and her brother and I are naturally really pretty sensitive guys. So we're not like a typical guy necessarily on that, in that way. But, um, there's been certain things that I've guided him on and even like gave him advice on or, or set, set uh, a model for whether it's how I dress or how I like talk yeah. and, or even like, for example, I, uh, he didn't have a schedule necessarily. <laughs> Uh, and so I gave him a schedule and we like wrote out and negotiated a schedule and like, when he does he have a morning, job or college or does not, not yet. yet. He's okay. I, so my mom still had legal custody of him until he turned 18. So even though he was living with me, it was really weird, but she was like, I just don't want to give up legal custody. So we couldn't get him his ID or anything until oh, wow. after he turned 18. So now he 
is finally able to like he's about to get his GED, he's about to get his license and all of that stuff. So he kind of needed like a crash course in having his kids. <laughs> yeah, because naturally, like I think for a lot of most people or even like kids and teenagers too, like if they don't have a schedule, if they don't have like a direction, it's really easy to just get into a complacent habit, complacent habit of just waking up at, a, at whatever time, uh, yeah. playing video games, not just really doing yeah. anything other than that. And so I, I gave him a schedule and we talked through it and uh, we decided that he would like get up at a certain time and then feed the cats and then do some laundry, <laughs> you know, clean his room <laughs> and then um, and do some dishes and stuff. And then yeah. after that was all done, then he could go and play video games. That's also, <laughs> he's also like changed the way that he dresses a little bit. Like my brother always, I don't know why he did this really, um, but he would wear like three pairs of pants and like three shirts. At the same <laughs> like, time? Yes. Like he wouldn't okay. go out unless he had these multiple layers of clothes on and they were all kind of like wacky and mismatched and <laughs> which was fine. But yeah. it, I was always like, do you need three pairs of everything? <laughs> um, and then after Zach got here and was I guess modeling like more like math I don't know if I'd call it masculine but just like more responsible like behavior like being a man you know going to to the office and coming home and being more professional and that sort of thing um then he started shedding the layers so now he actually like goes out with one pair of pants <laughs> and a shirt and like Change. Like button-down shirt. Yeah, okay. just like started wearing button-down shirts too, and I'm like, huh, that's interesting. <laughs> Not yeah. really what I would have expected, but okay, I'll take it. <laughs> so yeah, and he's he's gotten really good at like uh, practicing his his schoolwork and doing homework and yeah. getting prepared for the GED. Yeah, so I have been doing studying and things like that beforehand, so that he doesn't go in unaware. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. So even doing like the GED prep and stuff. Um, yeah. So I don't know if it's like a security thing or what, like maybe he feels more secure so he can shut the layers. But yeah. I mean, I guess like experiencing all this in the past really like less than a year, I've, it's just reinforced to me, like the importance of responsibility and how fulfilling it is to have responsibilities and to, and have to have people that rely on you and, mm -hmm that's really important. It gives you really strong direction in life and, and motivation. And so, yeah, it's, it's been great for that. So there was this, um, comment on one of your tweets, Zach, um, I, or you were replying to somebody. I just, I, I saw it this morning mm -hmm. and I got kind of pissy, but I'm like, no, it's well done. Not going to be pissy on the internet. Not going to be pissy on the internet. Um, somebody's like, it, you were talking about sex, right? The yeah. reality of sex. And, and somebody's like, why would, why would anybody trust a website built by an architect student? Yes. I'm like, have we never true. heard of like the Renaissance man? It's possible to be competent <laughs> in more than one area yeah, yeah. but yeah, so you are you're you're doing uh architecture architecture that you're, you're that's that's so, your path your professional yeah path. so i well, in 2021 i graduated so i got the bachelor's of architecture now and i now i'm on the path towards getting a license to practice as an architect and so working at a firm right now and going through all those steps um yeah. and so yeah this this has become you know my side thing where i'm 
researching and writing and about biology and producing content on biology. Um, And I've always had a lot of different interests, whether it's from like video editing, uh, motion graphics, to uh, even like riding, playing the drums, like so a lot of different interests. Black belt in Taekwondo. Like pissy pissy bee. I'm not going to mess with him. <laughs> no idea about like it's so weird. Like so yeah. Like I guess the best response to that is just like first of all, I cite the the claims that I make with with biology and psych literature. So it's not baseless at all. It's directly from the the actual scientific literature. And then second of all, people can have a wide diversity of interests. Just because you studied and had formal education in one field doesn't mean that you can't have any opinion or can't talk or write about another field, right? And so I think that appeal to authority fallacy is just really, it's so old. Like they, they bring it up so much because they don't have an actual argument. They don't bring actual evidence when they make that argument to me. And at the same time, you could flip it back on them and be like, well, who are you to say? Because what are your credentials, right? Most of the time, well, they I, don't have I, the, those I looked at their, their bio was literally, I know more than gen, about gender and sex than oh anybody gosh. else. You know? oh like, okay, well, there's your credential then. But I mean, the, the Twitter bullshit aside, um, forgive my language, um, <laughs> I just I want to bring that up because you are both very invested and you're producing a lot of resources and you're part of a, a network of people who are producing these resources. Mm-hmm. There's Shensec, there's mm-hmm. Segum, there's uh, mm-hmm. Colin Wright and Christina Buttons and all these people are mm-hmm. calling out and trying to build mm-hmm. these resources. What is your, what's the niche that you're doing? And I'm wondering how it's going to, how it's going to go in different directions, how it serves, how all this stuff is going right. to fold into itself, which is probably beyond you because you're just producing the mm-hmm. content. But what are your intentions with these pamphlets, so, these brochures? Education. Yeah. Like, education. Yeah, the, the, the niche is really like education plus producing material that is incredibly aesthetically pleasing and incredibly Ooh. digestible. <laughs> okay, That's why I created Paradox Institute mm-hmm. is because I noticed there was a real lack of aesthetically pleasing good looking content that was also digestible on Mm -hmm. sex differences. And so that was the major drive. And now that we have an incredible like (laughs) illustrator (laughs) who can help with making amazing illustrations like that, that helps so much too. Not only do I have the experience from architecture with laying out like kind of like the bones and the architecture and layout of, of graphic design and, and, um, and print material, but then the illustration aspect which I don't have a lot of experience in at all, that is, is super complimentary. And so that's the kind of niche that we're bringing is really good looking content, really aesthetically pleasing, and also very factual, uh, heavily cited and incredibly digestible. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what is the, I guess, the purpose of this material? Um, I guess myth slaying, generally speaking, but what, what are we targeting here? What, what, what are we trying to build a case for maybe on a policy level? Like what are your, uh, what are your intentions beyond like the purpose of this beyond Mm -hmm. and changing the world? Like, as far as I'm concerned, I want to reach people like my mom. I want to, appeal to her compassion and her humanity and be like, I understand where you're coming from. And, but this is the reality of the situation is it could really hurt people to not understand these things. So it's 
appealing to that compassion while educating and and just getting people to all come together and acknowledge like truth because again like and it it is going to help so many people to understand DSD. So it's such an obscure thing. Like, again, my mom thought hermaphrodite was a thing and that they could have sex with themselves and just like all of those really offensive um, tropes and stereotypes. And again, like the, the regressive stereotype of you have to be this to be a boy. These are boy things. These are boy clothes. You can't really do them if you're a girl, like all of that. Um, so getting people to understand that will ultimately, I think, make things better for everybody, really. Yeah. And, and we, yeah. we also want to develop like an inquisitive mind and the people that follow us and the people that follow our content, like a mind that is open and curious and is also like thinking through things logically and developing critical thinking. And that's why a lot of times when I do interact with, uh, whether it's people who follow me or even people who disagree with me many times I'll just apply like the Socratic method and be asking them questions and help them lead through, lead them through the logic of these different arguments. Like, like why is sex defined this way, even though in crocodiles, their sex develops or is determined by temperature and in birds, it's, it's a different type of sex chromosome than humans. How can we all unite that together in knowing what sex is? So like walking people through that logic and of how these concepts work is a big part of what we're doing as well. Mm-hmm. And what are your opinions on this uh, category called the trans kid? What have you found? What are your thoughts on the trans kid as a category? Like you could argue that I was a trans kid without like the, you know, without the acknowledgement of my mom saying that I was trans, like she still pushed me into these boy things, you know, telling me they were boy things, not that they were things I could do if I was a girl. I was very uncomfortable in my body. I was being told that I was meant to be something else, which is what these kids are being told. You can believe something as a little kid, but then when an adult comes in and tells you, you're right, honey, you were meant to be that thing. Then that plays into your psychology and your development and that starts like really really pushing that idea to you as you grow up that same messaging yes you were meant to do something than what you are that is very unhealthy um and i think part of why we see a lot of comorbidities in trans kids um why we see anxiety and why we see Eating eating disorders and obsessive compulsion and stuff like that. Like I had (laughs) the eating disorder and the obsessive compulsion. Like I was so weird with like little obsessive compulsive, like things like, um, to like feel control. Like I I had to replicate sensations that I would have on one side of my body with the other one, or I'd like have a meltdown or, um, like having little collections of things obsessively or, uh, Oh, I had like a weird obsession with eating toilet paper and towel fiber. Like when I was anxious, like it was, it was a lot of these weird little behaviors and it was something my mom did not see. It was something the adults in my life didn't see or notice or whatever, because I did them in private and I never really talked about them. So we're seeing this like 
build up in in odd kind of behaviors and and things like that in these these trans kids. And so it's it's the a lot of these yeah. kids that do develop those things that then associate those things with actually having gender dysphoria, with feeling uncomfortable in their bodies, feeling yeah. great distress with their bodies and great and distress with themselves as people and trying to find ways to cope. Yeah. And then they see this this route that tells them that you can achieve uh like peace really yeah. and happiness in yourself if and you can find your authentic self if you go down this route of of socially transitioning so mm -hmm. presenting uh, to be perceived as the opposite sex in the world but then also taking puberty blockers right. and cross-sex hormones to help alter your physical features to more closely resemble that that sex and that's why um so many kids find it appealing and I, I hate that they're being told people want to kill you. People want to hunt you down because of who you are. And they want to take, take everything away from you. It's going to make you happy. And like, why would you ever say that to a child? Like, and, and all because of, of their body, like you're telling them that because, oh, because you don't like your body or because you were meant to be you know, this, or because you like pink as a boy, or you like trucks as a girl, like, why would you ever say that to them? I, I don't like this, this trans kid label because it just comes with so much awful messaging and awful baggage hmm. and this victimhood attached to it, that it's very You're toxic. born wrong. God, yeah. God hates you. He, yeah. he, he built you wrong. The world hates you because you're mm -hmm. an aberration, but we'll fix you. Yeah. We'll it's, fix you. And you'll be authentic toxic. after we're done with you. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's, it's terribly, terribly toxic. Like, of course, kids that are socially transitioned this way and, and that all that from a young age are going to go on to the puberty blockers and the hormones. Right? Of course, they think it's the only way to be happy. You've, you've given them one path to go down. And there's also this interesting neurological link to experiencing eating disorders and anorexia and even gender dysphoria. They're kind of all linked together in a similar aspect neurologically. So the, the past decade, there's been a handful of studies in neuroscience on basically what's going on in the brain for people who have eating disorders and anorexia and gender dysphoria. And what they found in common, specifically uh, eating disorders and gender dysphoria, is that the parts of the brain that are involved in the perception of the self and of what's called like uh, self-body ownership, like processing, um, referencing yourself, knowing who, you, knowing like what your body is, having the correct image of yourself and like what body you're in, those areas of the brain tend to be weaker in terms of the connections in people with gender dysphoria and eating disorders uh, compared to the regular population. And so that is potential evidence for the cause. Now they can't necessarily extrapolate um, whether it's from birth or whether it's caused by conditioning over time, or maybe a mix of the of the two, now, that's really hard to find out. But it yeah. does look like that for people that do have gender dysphoria, there is that weakened connection in the parts of the brain, like the default mode network that's involved in in mm -hmm. processing of the cell. I does that overlap with this idea of the brain sex, or I have a woman's brain as a man kind of thing? So. Yeah, so I've been well. I've been studying that recently with uh, Sammy Neuro SGS, 
on Twitter. And he's a great, great person to reach out to, to, to get on the, on your podcast. Mm-hmm. He is currently working on his PhD in neuroscience mm. and studying specifically uh, neuroimmunology and Alzheimer's and sleep. And he's done a lot of research too on that argument of the opposite sex brain with people with gender dysphoria. Because that, for those who are not familiar, that argument basically says that the reason why you have gender dysphoria is because your brain developed more like the opposite sex. And so we need to basically align your body to match your brain. Now, the neuroscience literature on that has, there's been extensive research on that, and they have found that people with gender dysphoria, many of them do have sexually dimorphic regions in the brain that are more like the opposite sex. However, none of those studies controlled for sexual orientation. So once sexual orientation is controlled for, which multiple studies have done recently, they find that there is no difference with homosexual trans people's brains compared to uh, non-trans homosexuals. And when it comes to heterosexual trans people's brains, there's no difference in sexually dimorphic regions compared to regular heterosexuals. Mm -hmm. So basically what's going on is if there's a sexually dimorphic region that's atypical for a trans person, it's likely because they're homosexual, not because of their gender dysphoria. Now, linking it back to the gender dysphoria research, what they found was that it doesn't matter what sexual orientation you have. If you have gender dysphoria, it's likely that you have those weakened connections in the self-processing regions. Hmm. And so there doesn't seem to be good evidence that there is uh, an opposite an opposite sex brain uh, for those who have gender dysphoria. That's but there's really a the sissy cause. brain. There's a sissy brain. <laughs> yeah. That's the gay brain. <laughs> <laughs> that's one way to put it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, that's basically... So that's what they've found, and that shows you that, yeah, you can't really argue that very strongly, that the cause of their dysphoria is because they have an opposite sex brain. Yeah, there might be a a genetic component because I was talking with someone, I forget who it was, about um, how multiple women in my family have had issues with eating disorders or issues with um, not just self recognition like body dysmorphia, but also um, recognizing others like or seeing them for how they really are. And um, that's something that I've always had an issue with. Like Zach experienced it once where I came in and I was like, just so we're like, I know it's just me and it's not actually like a real thing. I don't look different to you, right? Like I had seen myself in the mirror and I did not recognize myself hmm. and that has always been like kind of an issue like what? <laughs> yeah and but the, same. Like, the, the hmm. phototherapy and things like that really really helped me get past that but I will still have the occasional thing hmm. um and my sister will sometimes do that to herself or do it to me where she'll look at me and be like you don't look the same right now to me and my grandmother is like that and so are some other women in my family hmm. um and so someone told me that there was a, a recent study and they linked me to it, that face blindness is hereditary, it seems like. 
Um, and so Miss face I'm, blindness, where everybody looks like Bill Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> that would be kind of terrifying. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, so I have to wonder if it's got something to do with that. If yeah. there is a genetic component there. Yeah, so, like in the wiring of yeah. the brain, linked to genetics, that maybe it's it would like be a hard to determine connection there with like referencing, yeah. like referencing. Oh, I look like this. This is me. Yeah, yeah. So I think mean, you'd have to like follow like a baby from birth. Yeah, you'll <laughs> like, on that. Huh. When yeah. when you say weaker uh, connections in the brain, is there like exercises one can do to strengthen areas of the brain that have weak connections? Is there? Apparently so. So actually part of that research is also looking at like, how can we actually help people with gender dysphoria or people with eating disorders strengthen those connections and be able to reference themselves in a more accurate way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know of a lot of specific treatments, but they have talked about them. I know that Cynthia's phototherapy that she mm-hmm. did was focused on um, photographing her body and her form and, and focusing on that in like a beautiful artistic way yeah. to then look at her and be like, Oh my gosh, that's me. Which, you know, that's, yeah. that's actually me. I can't believe that. Wow. <laughs> From as like, as a kid, I, I used to watch daytime talk shows all the time and they had, um, this woman who did that with, uh, patients with eating disorders. And you can find some literature on that. Um, it's obviously like something that's rare because it's so obscure, but um, she basically found a lot of success photographing patients with eating disorders and having them associate with their bodies better after the photographs and, and working with them. And I think just from doing it, I think it's, it's partially because you did it and you're putting in the work and posing and like connecting like what you're doing with what you're seeing yeah. versus just kind of like, here's a picture of me. Where and yeah. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I think, I think I would love to try doing that with people in the, they've, in the future. They've also done really interesting studies on what's called opposite sex morphs. So showing people with gender dysphoria, opposite sex morphs of themselves, and then also showing them just like regular, like same sex morphs of themselves and seeing what areas of the brain lit up and what areas didn't. And they noticed that those with really strong gender dysphoria, their brains light up the most when they're looking at opposite sex morphs. They're relating um, themselves to that opposite sex morph and not feeling very much connection to the same sex morph, which is kind of a symptom of gender dysphoria. Mm-hmm. And again, uh, those areas that, li- that light up in the brain are linked to the self-processing networks. So if there's a way to potentially use treatment like the phototherapy, for example, to kind of train people's brains to help them see themselves for who they are, see their bodies accurately mm-hmm. and feel attached to their to their body that way, I think that'd be a really interesting uh, treatment alternative to gender dysphoria than, than transition. Yeah. 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 So what's your roadmap for for this year? with your project paradox institute what's up now and then what's happening coming up that's a good question so uh we'll be working on continuing working on the uh pamphlets we have a handful of additional topics that we're going to cover our on our pamphlets one would be uh male advantage in sports and why they should not be allowed in in female in the female sports category we're also going to cover 
uh, more detail on the effects of cross-sex hormones and puberty blockers on children and adolescents, the effects psychologically and physically. Mm -hmm. And then on the uh, book front, I'm working on a book right now that will be published this year. It's called, well, I don't want to <laughs> say the name yet, but it's because uh, it's in a working title right now. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to actually nail it down yet, but um, it's going to cover debunking the sex spectrum idea and going into the detail on what male and female are going into detail on DSDs. And I look at a bunch of really famous sex spectrum articles that we've seen shared in social media and, and even scientific journals. And I mm -hmm. go through each chapter and, and debunk them. And then on the other front, um, we're doing the menstrual cycle, the series. menstrual cycle series. Yep. So that will be a five part animated series. On oh. the menstrual cycle. Do you guys have yeah. songs? Yeah. You need some songs? I'll write some songs <laughs> for you. Just awesome. give me the information. <laughs> like this a whole James Bond. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be really cool. Yeah. I'll, I'll send you guys yeah. a, a spec idea. Yeah, that could be like the intro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like a little intro for it. Yeah. <laughs> and with your illustration skills, too, like, mm -hmm. I know we'll be able to go into like so much detail on like yeah. the, the actual visual part of it. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so we'll be breaking down. The menstrual cycle. Yeah. This can have a, pup a puppet show. A little yeah. uh, uterine. <laughs> Uti comes in. Yeah. Hi, guys. How you doing? Let's talk about the utero lining. Oh, no. Eggs falling down. What's going to happen next? This is when the follicle ruptures. Oh, <laughs> it's crazy. You guys yeah. got like the women got little trampoline cysts that shoot the ovary. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a war zone in the ovary. <laughs> yeah. no it's wonder it's pain. I know. No wonder it's painful and like ovulation is painful. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah. I mean, we'll be having a baby. So there's that. And then oh yeah, in June. Oh, yeah, there's <laughs> just that. Okay, yeah. that's great. Oh, <laughs> that's a smaller project. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we probably about seven pounds. <laughs> But yeah, oh gosh, this has been crazy. Like a lot of the negative stuff from the birth control has already like gotten better just from the pregnancy. Like the psoriasis has gone down. It's not completely gone yet, but it's it's pretty much like gone. Hmm. So I had to get back on birth control for a little bit because they were like, just try it. And I didn't want to get pregnant yet. So, but now that, that brought everything back with a vengeance. Um, oh, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so that's going away. Um, my blood pressure is finally regulated. It used to be all over the place. Yeah. Um, now that's like regulated and normal. That's been shocking because I didn't know that was related to the birth control either. Mm -hmm. um, what else? Hair growth. My hair growth. My hair grew back in places where it had stopped growing in. Um and oh yeah my weight has uh gone back down so it went back up on the birth control huh. after i got and then after i you got lost weight it, during pregnancy yes That's they're actually rare. really <laughs> weirded out by that um but yeah they're during the first uh four months i lost like 10 pounds and then i started gaining a little bit as i got a little bigger and now i'm losing it again <laughs> um but it's not unhealthy is not like affecting her but um hmm. yeah they're really rooted out by that right now so yeah because you should be gaining like 
what six seven pounds yeah uh, by the end of your pregnancy like right well, or throughout it i think ultimately you're supposed to gain like a total of like 20 oh, okay yeah something like that so your weight's like stabilized so it's not really doing yeah right? I am... you're losing weight but also gaining weight yeah. at the same time. i'm currently the same weight as i was when i got pregnant <laughs> yeah okay. yeah which is go like this or something yeah so they're they were um talking to me about that this last time and being like, we need to watch that because that's yeah. really weird <laughs> yeah. um so yeah that's been interesting seeing the effects of of the pregnancy like changing oh, my also like psychologically with the birth control oh, yeah. that's a big one too right like what about those effects so when i was on birth control like it can the estrogen and stuff like that can really make you like crazy like first first adjusting to it um which is why they tell you to wait three months to like until you're fully adjusted and then if you're still having symptoms then they'll switch you and so i have had all kinds of issues with it um and then it shut off a lot of my emotions because they had to really, really lower my estrogen. But then it was causing um, vaginal atrophy. So then they had to give me estrogen while they were also trying to <laughs> lower it with the birth control, which was weird. And so that was causing all kinds of crazy, crazy psychological issues and making me really, really depressed and anxious. Mm-hmm. And then um, after I got off of it, I was really just like flat, like just kind of base level, like low. And then um, hard to get excited, hard to feel like happy and just kind of like flat. Then after I got pregnant, I've started like, I guess, healing from that. So. I started feeling better. I started doing art more and getting excited about things. And hmm. yeah, but so far I haven't like tried to eat him alive or anything. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they tell you like, watch out. Cause she's pregnant. You're, you're missing really stable. Yeah. Very stable. Do you notice, um, the influence of your daughter on you at all? Like her moods, her, her hungers, even, you know, her, her. Not really. She's just, She's always active. Like, holy cow. I didn't really? know the babies like kicked you this much. Or well, she's got a jujitsu father, so feel that way. I didn't know it could hurt when they kick you. Yeah, like oh my gosh. I put my hand on, on her stomach and then I can sometimes like feel the hardest kick. It's just insane. Like yeah, how hard it is. Cool. Yeah. Like, oh my god. Just all of a sudden my belly is like weren't <laughs> so, yeah, oh, wow. yeah. like a strong kid. She's yeah. ready. Yeah. She's wow. gonna put her way out of there. <laughs> <laughs> And are you, nice. are you doing anything special with the birth? Like, uh, I'm not special, but like, uh, mm -hmm. the birthing plan, is it like kind of mm -hmm. home birth? You're going to do water birth? You guys going to, you can't do home birth in North Carolina. Well, like, how yeah. do they stop you? I don't know. That's true. You can still do it. But you won't have, you won't have like licensed medical yeah. professionals. So they can't like, there's no way for them to give you licensed medical professionals because yeah. they're not licensed to do at home births. I guess. Yeah. Or? It's, um, it's just not legal for them to. Do you have a doula like, or a midwife? 
I've thought about it, but since I'm going to be, I'm going to like a birthing center where it's more like relaxed. Yeah. And the gynecologist told us that if we do decide to do an at-home birth, they will not, no longer give us any prenatal care. Yeah. That's how like, strict huh. the law yeah, is. So we, yeah. yeah. Huh. It's really Weird. strange. I don't like that, but. However, um, there is a really nice, uh, medical center with a birthing center that specializes mm -hmm. um, in birthing and delivery and different options for delivery. Yeah. Uh, so even like, I think like a water birth, yeah. even things like that. I um, think I'm just gonna like try doing, doing the whole squat thing. Cause they, people have said that yeah. it's easier, just gravity working with you. Yeah. <laughs> so is lying down, you know how like it's often portrayed as like women, like lying on their backs, right. Yeah. Their legs spread yeah. open and like, Ima just imagine like that would be so hard to yeah. like get the baby out of that. <laughs> I can't even picture like pooping that way. That is horrible. <laughs> so imagine like pushing a baby out that way. Yeah, like that's just not a good way to get anything no. out of there. <laughs> work, work with gravity. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> Full nature, just embrace the whole the whole cycle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Are you guys still uh, able? Are you guys still doing podcasts? You did a couple episodes, I know. Yeah, we'd uh -huh. like to do more. Yeah, you have plenty of other things going on. Yeah. I just want yeah. to make sure that people get connected with your content. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. We've got so else um, to plug? topics. Yeah. <laughs> um, just just go to theparadoxinstitute.com. dot com. Mm -hmm. You can visit myself on twitter z-a-e lefty and then cynthia yeah. pt yeah. elephant um yeah. and yeah if you go to the print section on our website there's a little menu it says about watch read and then print click on print you can access the books we have there and also our pamphlet which was just published yesterday on the myths of gender affirming care mm -hmm. with a lot of peer reviewed sources. So excellent. Yep. Excellent. Um, thank you both for, for joining me. I, I think it, um, you guys are both great people individually, but I really uh, appreciate being able to capture like your, your, uh, your mutual, your relational presence. I think mm -hmm. it's really important, especially in the gender and sex discussion mm -hmm. to actually show us as we are mm -hmm. as human beings. So good luck mm -hmm. with your uh, your fertility uh, and may it, <laughs> many happy returns. Good luck with that first six to eight months to two years to 16 to 18 <laughs> years. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> I know you guys are up for it. <laughs> we are. Yeah. We're super excited. I've already gone through that with <laughs> yeah, my siblings, so which yeah. feels kind of like starting all over again. You're yeah. a grandma. <laughs> and I feel like I, that's what it feels like. <laughs> I'm sending one away to college yeah, and the nice. other one <laughs> just, just starting with. So. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Excellent. So thank you for having us. Absolutely. Yep. Thank you, Benjamin.